The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. you to listen to our show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water, global warming, and your health. Now, what does that do for your health every day, thinking about reminding you what you've been told since you were born, drink water, that water is the most important part of your survival, your life. If you ever found yourself in an emergency and out in the wilderness, and you have nothing available to eat, you must start looking for something to drink to survive. If you have water, you'll survive longer than you would without without the food. We are excited today. We have a special guest, a Dr. Jim Arcand, a chiropractor from Grants Pass, Oregon, and we're going to be discussing pain. And the world today has had a lot of pain, and people are finding that they're not getting into, have available to them adequate water, adequate sanitation, and they're confused about global warming, and the pain about life is for real. And today, but we're going to discussing acute pain. And what is the difference between acute pain and chronic pain? I think it's going to be you're not drinking enough water and uh, we're under a lot of stress. And we're going to find out from our doctor just about what he thinks about that. Our second great guest is going to be from the Yellowstone National Park, Bob Thurman in Wyoming, and we're going to learn a little bit about their park system. And today we're going to hopefully he'll be able to answer some things also about what he thinks about global warming and what is happening to the nature of our globe. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eyes, and we're going to be right back with Dr. Jim Arcand. We'll be listening to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Back to the Sharon Klein Hour, the power of water, global warming, and your health. Uh, today we're speaking with Dr. Jim Arcand, who is a chiropractic physician from Grants Pass, Oregon. Are you with us, Dr. Arcand? Hello, Sharon. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm just fine, thank you. Well, it's um, Monday morning. It certainly is. Yeah, I, I think I'm feeling it myself today, and what is going on with the world has just been fascinating. And I want to thank you for uh, joining us. It's my uh, pleasure. Uh, we, uh, our our air sh- show airs uh, live on Mondays, West Coast time, from 10 to 11 uh, each Monday, and uh, it goes uh, on archive uh, to be heard at any time, wherever in the world, Doctor, uh, after we've taught them as much as we can with our health education here. I want people to hear about 
who you are, how you became a chiropractor, why, and we'll go into our education that, that we want to offer today for our listeners. Okay. Well, my story basically begins uh, at the age of 19. Um, I was an avid weightlifter. Actually, I still am, but uh, I've learned uh, a lot better way of approaching it. Back in college at the age of 19, I um, was busy lifting way too much weight. And there was one particular exercise called a hack squat machine um, that I was loading hundreds of pounds on. And as I was performing the exercise, I could feel some pressure building up in the right side of my lower back. <clears throat> of course, I chose to ignore that kind of a mind-over-matter issue, or so I thought. Well, you know what might be happening is a lot of us who have been athletes, and especially your, what you were doing, is sometimes we think the more pain will gain, right? That is a fact. In fact, uh, Arnold, he quoted that phrase, no pain, no gain, and Arnold was indeed my guru mm -hmm. when it came to weightlifting. Mm -hmm. um, so I continued to push through, and ultimately, after uh, a couple months of this progressive problem, I felt a crack in my low back. Oh, my goodness. And not really knowing quite what I had done, just knowing that there was a severe amount of pain, um, and I had dropped to the floor. I actually had my friends carry me home mm -hmm. and spent the next three days just laying on the floor in one spot, unable to move. Mm -hmm. um, and after uh, three, four, or five days, I was able to kind of get up and ambulate and move about the room and ultimately get up the stairs and within probably six weeks, believe it or not, I was back weightlifting again. Oh, my goodness. I hadn't gone to seek any care or any, any kind mm -hmm. of evaluations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being raised as an athlete, uh, oftentimes we're told to walk it off or shake it off or, you know, it's, uh, it's no big deal. We're going to have, I'm glad you're bringing that up because uh, we're going to discuss, I would like to get in besides the other things you're going to be teaching us today. We, this is a very important subject too for everybody for every day, but for our athletes that are dying as they practice uh, because they're pushing too hard. Absolutely. And uh, go on, I want to hear more of what you did. Well, at that point, I tried to get back to my usual routine. Um, I kind of fell into what I called the meathead syndrome, where <laughs> you just push the pain out of your mind and you push ahead, knowing deep down inside that what you're doing to your body is wrong, mm -hmm. but not acknowledging it, mm -hmm. um, which actually taught me a very valuable lesson, ultimately, in that the mind potentially is infinite in its potential of, of what can in, envision the body doing. But oh, your mind the, is everything. Mm -hmm. The mind is, and mm -hmm. certainly the body is very finite. Now, before mind, we go further right there, because I've got a question here, do you believe it's your mind or your consciousness? Uh, well, certainly I think the mind is, is uh, synonymous with the consciousness. Okay, there we go, because yeah. there's, uh, there's a subject matter there that each one of us has such an individuality. Yeah. And uh, the, the mind, well, as you know, when, when we're informing... Uh, our organisms in our mother's womb, that when the eyes begin to form, it's connected to the brain immediately, to the brain. Exactly. So then we have a, a growth of mind and consciousness where we become influenced by our environmental conditions also. Oh, absolutely. There we go. Okay, now, uh, what did you do? Well, I continued to, to push through for about a year, 
and you know actually was debilitating my body to the point where I couldn't even bend forward to tie my shoes in the morning. Mm. So at that stage, and you were uh, 19 years old. Yeah, 19, probably just turned 20. Okay. Um, by oh, the you're... time, mm-hmm. fortunately, my father stepped in and said, listen, why don't we go to a chiropractor, which I had never been to, mm-hmm. um, knew vaguely about chiropractic, really didn't have a particular opinion one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing the chiropractor did was take an x-ray, and the first question he asked me when he posted those x-rays on the wall is, well, when did you break your back? Mm-hmm. And I really had to think back, you know, I, I thought, gosh, you know, there have been so many times I had re-injured it mm-hmm. since that first event that I wasn't really even quite sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a little little bit of pondering to recall that specific event later. Mm-hmm. And the second mm-hmm. bit of information he provided was that I had a, a very notable bone spur as a result of the, uh, the fracture and the lack of proper healing. So I kind of went into a, a bit of a denial. At 20 years old, I thought, gosh, you know, arthritis is for old people. So I don't really get how I can I can have arthritis. It's probably no big deal. I'll just continue to push, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the important part of the story here is that I got such relief from that chiropractic care, that very first visit, mm-hmm. that took me out of constant agonizing pain mm-hmm. um, and lack of mobility and, and returned as a, just a beautiful gift, the ability to, to be able to move around mm-hmm. and enjoy the things I enjoyed Without doing. having to have surgery. And certainly without having to have surgery. Um, There was a time when way back in time that the first instinct was, I guess we're going to have to do surgery. And it was not as common when a doctor would say to the patient, go to the chiropractor and let's look at this closer in a different, see if we can try some alternatives. Now this is happening more often. Let's try another way first. And they're not getting a surgery quick uh, surgery as they used to because of the results of the surgery are not always what we expect it to be. Then uh, you you decided then that you wanted to get into the profession, obviously, to be a doctor of chiropractor. Um, then how long have you been practicing um, as a doctor in chiropractic profession? Uh, it'll be 10 years in January. Okay. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And do you have a particular specialty in that? You know, that's something I haven't asked our doctors. Do you have a particular specialties in chiropractors, or do you just, uh, it's, 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 a, a, it's a, a chiropractor is just a specialty of its own? Well, chiropractic uh, can specialize in a particular technique or okay. cater towards a particular demographic. Um, I probably am most effective with athletic-type injuries. Okay. Um, understandably enough. Uh-huh. Uh, understanding the body and having been an athlete and, mm-hmm. and continuing in athletic pursuits mm-hmm. um, and really gaining each year new new knowledge and understandings about how the body works mm-hmm. um, what what to do when it's when it's been broken down mm-hmm. and and analyzing you know the acuteness versus the chronicity yeah today we were going to discuss um, and I liked your subject of uh, the difference between acute and chronic pain. And uh, now that we've mentioned also the brain, the mental, the consciousness of our minds with that too, but you teach us today what you have been learning about uh, the difference between acute and chronic, and then we'll move into helping our 
audience learn more about um, their their body? How how much can the body handle? Certainly, certainly. Um, well, typically, an acute injury would be um, something that happens suddenly, accidentally, be it a fall, be it a, a car accident, uh, something inadvertent, um, something where uh, typically tissues, and when I refer to tissue, I'm referring to virtually anything in the body with the exception of bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily, we're talking about muscles. Mm-hmm. and tendons, which are the structures that connect muscles to bone, mm-hmm. ligaments, which are the structures much like thick rubber bands that connect bone to bone, and, of course, cartilage, mm-hmm. um, which separate the bone. Mm-hmm. And typically with an acute injury, uh, whether it's mild or severe, uh, there's some degree of tearing, um, and depending on what tissues are being torn, will dictate the typical response time for healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscles have uh, a vast blood supply. So if the muscle tissues are torn, they tend to heal probably the most quickly of all the tissues. Mm-hmm. Um, then you move on to the tendons, which also heal fairly quickly, but not quite as quickly. And then the ligaments, which again connect the bones to the bones, um, have even less vascularity. Mm-hmm. which means they're not getting the nutrition mm-hmm. um, as a steady supply as a muscle would in order to heal. And then lastly, you have your cartilage, which is virtually avascular and is mm-hmm. the slowest to recover and sometimes just doesn't recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so the blood flow to the cartilage then is it's almost like it's the a bottom, it's the basement. Indeed. Okay. It's, it's a very strong structure. Uh, as far as these soft tissues go, but uh, one of the things that makes it so strong is it, it is, does not have a lot of uh, blood vessels. Obvious, and that means oxygen. Indeed, oxygen and, yeah. and all the healing agents. Yes, okay, um, healing agents. Okay, now um, when we're talking, that's acute. Now what about chronic? Well, what the chronic uh, comes into play when an acute injury is not properly healed. Okay. And if there's aggravation to the injury, it, mm-hmm. then the body attempts to reinforce it to make it stronger than before. So you the know, body then begins to give you the um, artificial support to build, build your strengthening in the tissues and, and the uh, oxygen levels and all the molecular abilities for them to, uh, to be able to give each, each of the molecules a chance to, uh, to get electrolytic energy. But it's doing it it's on its own with because you're not giving it you're not supplying it per what you need to give it the body right. is very adaptable and it recognizes that okay here we go this um, this that this particular injured area is it's not for whatever reason it's not getting the healing time and attention that it needs because so you're not give it, you're not you're not supplying yourself personally going out and doing what you need to do to eat to have proper nutrition proper rest, uh, proper uh, drinking enough water, uh, therapy, you're not, you're le- it's having to do it on its own, right? Exactly. Okay. So what I'm audi- trying to do here is get the audience to think, uh, our listener, that uh, we as people have a tendency to forget that the earth itself, the planet, needs it, 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 it needs its nourishing too. In other words, you have this available to you, but what are you going to do to give it uh, it's supple supplement, uh, in other words, supplementing it. 
um, where, where we are the product of nature, but what are the, uh, what's the supplement to add to when you have, uh, as say, situations happen? Uh, so when a person has an acute uh, reaction, then, and if you haven't taken care of it, then it'll go into chronic. That is correct, and that, that is uh, the body healing as mm-hmm. an organism is analogous to the earth, mm-hmm. and it, it needs its time to heal. Thank you. As yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, that's, that's becoming very common today um, with the different, what's happening. And, and in your profession, you're treating people in a very special to, specialty therapy, uh, alternative help uh, to assist. What are you finding the biggest mistake people are making when they, what, what is acute signal? In other words, you have this acute pain, you have acute uncomfortableness, you are being given warning signs in the acute stage. What's the biggest mistake? And it's probably writing on the wall, but I want you to tell us what's the biggest mistake we're making? Well, I think there's both uh, a, 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 an incorrect assumption and a very big mistake that, that often occurs. First, the assumption being that we learn as children that typically we can recover from just about anything. No matter what we do, what we injure, whatever kind of boo-boo incurs, we're going to recover. So we don't heed a, a more severe injury as we progress into adulthood. Uh, thinking, well, whatever it is, you know, I'll tough it out, I'll get through it, and I'll return back to normal. And the big mistake would be uh, turning to um, pills and drugs that are going to mask those symptoms. Thank you. And it's just been, yeah, yes, in fact, there's our, our, you know, how do you feel about that? You just brought up a subject that's very tender to me and many people and yourself, too, is we're, we came from a world of, uh, we can we can patch it up real quick if you take this. Uh, you will not feel this if you take this. You will not be annoyed or uncomfortable with uh, your pain or your discomfort if you take this. And, you, and your thinking is, but the, if people need to go in and let's say they are taking a particular medication to help this, what do they need to do while they're taking the medication so that one day they don't, they're not taking the medication and they can move on with the health of their life without that medication? What should be they be doing if they're taking that medication, doctor? Well, certainly they need to be uh, supplementing accordingly because many medications um, deplete the body. Of exactly. Well, they all do. Essential minerals. Uh, you know, I'm going to say a statement, and you probably will... Come after me here, but uh, I'm saying you're made up, we're all made up of water. And every time you add a, a medication that's a chemistry that is not nature to your body, period, and water is the most nature, that you're going to, you, you're going to do something to dehydrate it. That is a fact. And that people haven't been told or warned or educated for the last generations that if you're not drinking enough water to supplement enough water, because this is going to be a dehydrator to help you get beyond this, but the dehydration results, it's almost like turning on the electricity on and off, on and off, on and off. The electrolytic side of your body is going on and off and on and off because of the medication, and we don't know which body can handle that medication anyway because we've never gone in and tested for dehydration before we gave them the medication. Am I right or wrong? Well, I think you're perfectly correct. 
um, one of the things that I think um, our listeners should understand is that we as human beings are essentially bags of fluid. Exactly. And uh, we have many, many fluid systems in the body, and they're all regulated by the primary element, which is water. Now, before we move beyond that point, I want to ask you too, Dr. Arkan, you know how we've been warned that not to t- put your hands in water while you're touching electricity? Yes. Our bodies are electrolytic, like lightning rods. Indeed. And when we take a medication, all of a sudden, what are we doing to it? Because we're not, supplement- we're not adding more water to this dehydrator. When we come back, we're going to listen to our sponsor, but... Let's talk a little bit about that, too, and we'll, uh, we'll be right back. Get me some information on that, because I think that's going to be the educator on drinking the water and how to supplement with some of our wonderful vegetables that are offered. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with that subject. We're going to listen to Nature's Tears, I Miss. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. I welcome you back to the Sharon Klein Hour, the power of water, global warming, and your health, and being proactive about learning more about how you personally can take better care of yourself with better education. Today we're talking to Dr. Jim Arcand, a cop chiropractic physician from Grants Pass, Oregon, and just as we took our breaks, uh, we were talking about proactiveness, I believe it is, that if you're on a medication and it is a dehydrator, all medication is a dehydrator because it's not the nature to your body, and what we should be learning to do during that medication uh, when we're taking it. Uh, Dr. Um, Arkan, what, what are some of the things that you would educate our listeners about what they're given a medication or even say an herb uh, because the herb could be reacting also because not all herbs agree with us because we don't know which person is dehydrating how. And I might mention to our listeners that the moment you were born and you entered in the air you breathe from that water bag of your mother, the dehydration process began in that suction cup called air. You're no longer living in water. You're walking around in the air. If it doesn't have enough moisture in the air, and your eyelid opens, your eyes are not covered by the skin, there are no two complexions alike, and there's no two fingerprints alike. That's your personal dehydration, loss of moisture to the day you pass on. Uh, Dr. Arkan, what are some of the things that you would educate our listeners about when they're taking a pain medication? Well, uh, certainly um, I would inform them that water is essential for mineral balance, and minerals really uh, conduct the the day-to-day operations of all the systems of our body. Um, 
the minerals such as calcium and magnesium and sodium. Only in the proper balance can they perform um, the tasks that need to be done. And if there's any break in that link, in that cycle, uh, due to, let's say, uh, uh, deficient amount of water, then the following processes won't occur or they'll occur in a faulty manner. And mm-hmm. um, when you enhance that with medications that are going to deplete and dehydrate the body, mm-hmm. um, you really can run into trouble. So I inform them uh, that they need to be taking a, a high-grade multivitamin, multimineral supplementation. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I like to see them have five servings a day of fruit and five servings a day of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, both for the uh, the vitamin content, as, in addition to the water content mm-hmm. and the fiber. And how many glasses of water should they be drinking when they're on a particular medication? I'm not. We'll talk about everyday drinking water, but how much should they be adding to the supplement every day if they're on a medication? Well, certainly they should be having a full 12 ounce glass of water uh, mm-hmm. each hour that they're awake. Thank you. Each hour. Okay. And that, and that would be, you know, on the day-to-day basis if, mm-hmm. if there's uh, medications involved, then mm-hmm. um, they would need to increase that probably two to three glasses a day, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of water. But when you consider all the other beverages that are consumed, um, if you replace those with water, it isn't that difficult mm-hmm. to consume. Well, it's just getting a habit. If we have certain habits in our life with... Um, uh, people who are not, uh, you know, uh, we, it, we have habits that we get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we, put, we, we do certain things, we have our shower or our bath at different times uh, as a habit. We've got to get a habit of drinking water. We have a, a caller on the line, Dr. Uh, Linda from Florida. Are you with us, Linda? Yes, I am. You have a question for us, and thank you for calling. Yes, he was calling. He was talking about uh, supplements and also taking five servings of vegetables a day or fruits or vegetables a day. Uh huh. My question was, what about meats and dairy products? How did those fit in, Doctor Arcan? How would you? Well, obviously, that's the protein side of it. Indeed, um, uh, a minimum of three servings of protein and preferably lean meats um, and fish. The, uh, the dairy, uh, some tolerate better than others, but I tend to discourage people from uh, consuming much, if any, dairy at all uh, because it does uh, activate the immune system. It does increase uh, the allergic responses, um, and some people, like myself, simply cannot tolerate it and, and break it down at all. Um, so... If now, are you possibly, doctor, saying that maybe the dairy is causing um, a constipation? You're not digesting uh, your fluids, uh, that your normal fluids, and anything that you're eating. Um, that they, some people have a tendency because of the dehydration, not digest. That is true. It does slow down the digestive process. Okay. As well. And it, you have to digest every day. Indeed. If yes. Taking the in the normal fluids that you already have before you start uh, eating anything. Linda, um, what were you thinking here? Were you wanting to, uh, was there something that you wanted to learn about, um, something for yourself? Just just the diet. He had talked about the diet, so I was just kind of wondering, you know, how the dietary um, uh, suggestions affect what he was talking about. And and if the pain, the acute pain and chronic pain? Correct, yes. Okay. 
Well, that's you know, a he very talked about the vegetables. So my question was, if you incorporate vegetables, how you know how do what other things in your diet are things that help? Like he just talked about the three sources of protein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the meats and the and and the dairy, uh, as you uh, inquired, um, are actually on the list of foods that are inflammatory in nature. Um, so those foods tend to, once they break down, they create certain acids in the body which enhance the, the pain signals. So if there's a, uh, an injury or, or a pain problem, a uh, pain area of the body, that the brain is going to perceive more pain as a result of the ingestion and the digestion of those type of foods. Now, um, fish is, is one of the anti-inflammatory type foods, uh, and that's why it's, it's highly recommended that we eat fish. Now, what about, let's say you're not getting enough fish, could you supplement, doctor, um, with uh, salmon oil, the different uh, omega oils? Um, is there something there that if you don't get fish every day, that there's some supplements there? Oh, certainly, the, uh, yes, I highly recommend the, uh, the fish oils. Mm-hmm. However, you're getting the, um, the anti-inflammatory effects from the essential fatty acids, but okay. you're not getting the protein that you would get from eating, eating the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, on the meat, um, she might be thinking this way, too. Um, uh, when you're having to work, concern yourself about digestion uh, and, and you're uh, preparing the meat, should it be, uh, how should it be cooked? Not so well done, because isn't it harder to digest it if it's too well done? Uh, yeah, it depends how you, it really does depend how food is prepared. Um, and particularly processed foods should be avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, we need to pay attention to that. We're back to the digestion again, which could cause even more pain. And and all the additives, the sulfites and the nitrites, okay. which which are poisonous to the body. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're finding that uh, you know overcooking meats on the grill, particularly, mm-hmm. uh, produce um, carcinogens. If if there's a lot of blackness to the meat, if it's burnt, okay, um, that is bad for the body. Okay, Linda, did you have any other questions? I guess she's gone. Um, well, you know, there, I, there's another one there that a lot of our doctors that have been guests have mentioned, dark green vegetables. And a lot of people don't think because of our iceberg lettuce. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, and our romaine. Uh, we're not going over and to the other, like kale, uh, some of the dark green vegetables that are so Maybe that's where you're coming in on minerals. Uh, help me with that. How do you feel about the dark green vegetables that we seem to keep forgetting about in our diet. Oh, they they are essential. They're so very important. Um, they can they're also a great source of iron, and and that is problematic uh, for both men and women trying to get good high quality um, iron in their diet without uh, consuming um, you know too much meat and and some other things which aren't so great for the body. Now, on the, the supplements for pain, and then we'll move into another subject matter real quick. There are a lot of people in our lives that are abusing uh, drugs, alcohol, legal or illegal drugs, for pain, reasons of pain, whether it be mental or in the body somewhere. What do you recommend to them that maybe they've become addicted to the fact that they are trying to uh, rid the pain, get rid of the pain through becoming number uh, with, uh, let's say, uh, legal or illegal drugs or uh, other uh, alcohol or overindulgence even into racing down the road, uh, running down the road on 
to be exercising, and that's another one. A lot of people get rid of anxiety. Well, I'll call anxiety a discomfort, maybe almost pain. They're running up and down the roads on pavement, not on the sand, on pavement to try to rid the anxiety by running every day. Or, like you said, working out, exercising aggressively every day, no pain, no gain. If you don't feel the pain, maybe you're not gaining um, and releasing that stress. What do you say to those people? Well, first of all, the body seeks balance. And if there's any artificially uh, supplied um, stimulants, we'll say, Mm -hmm. or whatever the addiction might be, even depressants, uh, the body makes its own, basically those, the body has a gatekeeper. And if we're ingesting a stimulant, it isn't the stimulant that gets us going. The stimulant drops the gate that allows all of our epinephrines and norepinephrines and our adrenalines to really flow through the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as more and more is being supplied into the body artificially, the body makes less and less of its own regulators. So, In other words, it's kind of like... Um I've often heard people mention, doctor, and you, that if you take something, you're not going to feel the pain. Maybe it's better that you have the pain as your guideline to know how you're recovering and improving your health. Am I right or wrong? Uh, certainly in, in many cases. There are some situations where I'll recommend to my patients that, um, you know, that they take the, uh, you know, on a temporary basis, mm-hmm. the, the pain relievers or the muscle relaxers. Get them, get them adjusted. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, well, more so that they can get the rest because if they're not sleeping through oh, the night, they go. can't repair. The rest. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So they need to get the rest. But the problem is that then the, the whole problem with addiction is that to get off the drug, uh, the body is, is no longer has any supply of what it naturally creates in order to mimic what that drug is mimicking, essentially. So that you have this, this, this lack, okay. lack of um, what you need, the lack of the, the pain modulators, let's say. Now, to be a, an effective pain drug, it's got to be dehydrating you to death. It does indeed dehydrate you and, yes. and deplete you minerally. And Depletions so, of all of the elements that gave you the organism, the body, the functioning that you once had, it begins to deplete all that. It does deplete all that, and, and that's why the supplementation is really essential, and, and that's why in order to wean yourself off these addictive drugs, you need to be nutritionally balanced mm-hmm. uh, to begin with in order that your body doesn't go through a severe withdrawal. Now, let's say a, a patient comes to you and they have a, a, a they started out with an acute uh, discomfort. And uh, I feel funny saying pain uh, because there's pain in the mind. We generally, people sincerely are in pain today. You may have heard me say at the beginning of the show, and it almost sounded like I was going into a strange description, but people are going through all over the world so much communication, doctor, that absolutely is confusing. And people are trying everything they can when they're, when they're not comfortable. They're wanting to learn more about who could get me, how can help me. And we're turning to the wrong reasons, to people. We've got to start being more proactive and learning how to do it ourselves, where we're vulnerable to us, not to someone else, to relieve our discomfort, whatever pain it may be. So that's why I say the acute stage could be in the bones, in the skin, in the mind, wherever. It could be a sincere injury. It could be a sincere accident, sincere accident. 
But if a person comes to you with that first stage, what is the first advice, the best advice you could give to a listener that would they need to learn? Well, I would, let, I would have them consider that. Look back in time. We are, as a civilization, the product of successful reproduction. Um, the weaker of the species, those that uh, had uh, defects, they just didn't make it this far down the line. So we're the strongest result of, of, of all of this lineage. And look back, and what did they do, or what can we perceive that they did in order to get us to where we are to talk about it? Mm-hmm. They certainly weren't relying on pharmaceutical drugs. Exactly. And you know what? I know a lot of people who run big drug companies all the way to chairmen, and they're not expecting people to depend only on the drugs either. They're hoping that people read the directions use them wisely, and drink a ton of water, eat correctly, exercise correctly, and get good sound rest, and not blame the drug. You've got to be proactive and learn to get to know who you are. And if there's something not going right, go back to the doctor and and ask the questions that maybe you're allergic to the drug, you cannot take that drug, not wait it out. Um, Am I right or wrong? Oh, that's so true, because we have to listen to our body. And what, what uh, we've been taught, the, the, the message that we've been taught is that if we're not feeling the percent, if we're not aware of it, if we're not consciously uh, aware of what's going on in our body, then it's essentially gone. The problem is gone. And that's actually not the case and at that's, all. And that's called aging yourself. It is. Yeah, and we have, we, they're making multi-billions of dollars on slowing aging and you looking better and feeling better and... Oh, my gosh, what is aging? Not taking good care of yourself. And learn to like who you are. In other words, Earth's secret, uh, Dr. Arcan, is listening to the whisper, listening to the Earth. Embrace yourself, your life, every precious moment, and learn to get to know what you need and, and care about yourself. Because if you learn to care enough about your own health, that will go from generations to generations It'll become, call it, pay it forward, very contagious uh, to, ca- to learn how to take care of yourself and your health. Would you like, we only have a moment left. Is there something you'd like to leave with our listeners that you find very important as a message? I would say make health a top priority because you're not going to get another body. You're not going to get a second chance. You have to make it work with the body you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That was a good one. And, and you already said drink between 12 and 16 glasses of water. Am I... Of, pur- of purified water, that's correct. Of good water, clean water, and safe water. Well, you have a nice day. I w- wish you well with what you're doing. It sounds like you're on a real mission. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed your time. Thank you for joining us. Okay. You have a nice day. Well, I hope you've learned a lot. I did. And um, learn that you should be proactive. Learn to take good care of you. And uh, I was listening this morning to something on news reports about migraine headaches, and it's very genetic. And uh, there's 29 million people today living with migraine headaches. You might take what the doctor said today, increase your water, work on that first, work on a good diet, get good rest, and learn to be self-analyzing. We're going to take a break and listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, but we have a second guest, and we're going to be talking to Bob Furman with, in Wyoming with the Yellowstone National Park. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back. 
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. I want to welcome you back to the Sharon Klein Hour, and our second guest today is Bob Furman. Bob, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I am fine, and thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I hear you're the education director for the National Park, and... It was the first national park ever in the United States? Correct. Yep, it was established back in 1872 as the world's first national park. Well, before we learn a little bit about you, um, what, why, you know, you always wonder when the first did something, what were they thinking when they were the first? Obviously, they uh, broke ground and said, you know, it's time that we start making a national park for all the world to come and enjoy and value Earth's secret here. Exactly. Uh, okay. Um, what do you think they were thinking in then? Yeah, you, know, you know, it's interesting, obviously. Um, you know, some people say that Yellowstone's maybe not the first national park, but uh, there's other places that maybe were set aside uh, before Yellowstone as, mm-hmm. as state parks or reservations or something along that lines. But Yellowstone truly was the first national park. And, and I think the people at the time were, were exploring this area of the country and, and realizing that there are some uh, real the, some real unusual formations here and different features that, mm-hmm. that should be set aside and, and protected uh, for future generations. There we go. That's wonderful. Now, how did you get where you're at today before we go on? Oh, uh, sure. You're an education director. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I grew up in the Chicago area, so a little different oh, than, than, <laughs> than the Rockies. But, um, I, now, I, I when blame... you say Chicago, you were right in the heart of Chicago. Yeah, pretty, one of the suburbs, but not yeah, a, pretty close. Not as much forest over there, Bob. <laughs> exactly, I know, a little different. There's high-rise high buildings there compared oh, to the high-rise mountains here, I right? I love the city. You know why I love the city? I, I, it's a leading question. You have a river running right down the middle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the bridges and the river and and the uh, and the co- it's almost like it's Venice. <laughs> hey, yep, there you go. <laughs> well, um, now, how long have you been uh, education director with Yellowstone? So I, I've been uh, here in Yellowstone for about 16 years and been director oh, of the education program here for about 10 years of that. So, oh, uh-huh. um, and and I, I uh, got I'm fortunate I think to be able to be here and, and doing what I do and working with so many different children and children's groups that come oh. to the park. And um, but I, I I volunteered in a program that I now uh, supervise. Uh, bringing children from uh, fourth through eighth grade students here to Yellowstone for four oh, or five days. And, oh, wonderful! Uh, oh, that's just wonderful. I have a thing about children; uh, they're all perfect. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> to me, there is no imperfect child. <laughs> exactly. They can, sure. they can, they can cry. They can scream. They can dance up and down. They can uh, turn the radio up loud. Eat all the popcorn. <laughs> You're only a child once. Yeah, or, or yeah. you can hold on to that as long as you possibly can, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, I'm 67 years old, and I'm not going to let go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
But anyway, uh, I'm glad you brought up the children, but before we move into more about the children of the world coming to you, tell us about Yellowstone National Park and what they've done since they broke ground to become a national park. Sure. You know, back in 1872, it was just um, being set aside as the world's first national park. It's definitely... Um, they were very had a great foresight um, mm-hmm. to preserve this this corner of, of northern Wyoming and a little bit of Montana and Idaho, uh, just because there is so many uh, just amazing features here and and things from uh, you know most people would probably be familiar with Old Faithful Geyser, mm-hmm. um, but there's there's over twelve thousand different thermal features throughout the park. And, and the like, river you have going through there is what the Yellowstone River. Yellowstone it's River, right and it goes Yellow. through several states or just through your. Um, it, it goes through, it starts in, in the southeast corner of Yellowstone, um, or just outside the park in Wyoming, and then flows up into Montana. So. And does it influence Idaho at all? Um, no, okay. it's on the other side of the Continental Divide, actually. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's not in the tributary you know, there. But, but, the, but the Continental Divide runs through Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and so some of that water does go over towards Idaho mm-hmm. and to the west coast as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, how 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 much how uh, grand a scale is the Yellowstone National Forest? How much ter- uh, how much acreage? Sure, it's about two point two million acres. Two point two million. Yep, which equates to about the size of Delaware and Rhode Island combined. Oh my goodness! So it's about sixty miles uh, from north to south, and about fifty miles from east to west. Oh my goodness. That's just beautiful. Um, now, and the kind of trees that you have in mountain ranges, are they high mountain ranges? or? Yeah, yeah, yep, we get the highest peak in the park is uh, just over 11,000 feet, mm. and, um, and those are, you know, and then some shorter ones or a little bit less than that are, are scattered throughout the park. Mm-hmm. But really, the, and then trees everywhere, too, of course, and uh, different lodgepole pine is one of the main types of conifer trees in the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the the main part of Yellowstone is a volcano, and mm-hmm. so many people don't realize that when they, mm-hmm. even if they're here, mm-hmm. <laughs> because people think of volcanoes as as you know very peaked, um, mm-hmm. you know, typical volcano looking uh, mountains. But this was a, such a large cataclysmic eruption here, a super volcano um, that blasted out of here. Uh, we've had three major eruptions in the past two million years, mm-hmm. uh, so it's really hard to see that crater, that caldera. Uh, from that last eruption, but it still influences what we see on the surface today with all of our hot springs and geysers and, and steam vents. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize, and I um, had to, I was learning through education that when there's a volcano and the lava flows, it's, it's way back then it's moving our our surface of the earth around as it's doing it and changing things. So uh, that 2.2 million acres, how much of that was affected by whether one was there one volcano or more than one volcano? Well, we've there were three volcanoes. The most three. recent one being about 640,000 years ago. Okay, so there were three though total mm-hmm. moving that around. Right, exactly. Okay. And then the highest peak ended up being 11,000 feet. Right. Okay. Yep. Influenced by the volcano. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And then the trees that came. Now, obviously, the surface, because it had such volcanic activity that uh, influenced it tremendously, the surface of the of the uh, soil and all. Is there a lot of areas that are very a lot of rock, or is it very? Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how, if we're looking up, is there a lot of rock and not so many trees at the highest points, or they, did the trees come in time? Um, no, there's definitely quite a few trees throughout the park, and and um, so rock, you know there's definitely rock at the high peaks and, okay. and talus slopes, but uh, definitely the the trees cover 
oh, I, I, can't, I can't give you an exact percentage of That's the park, okay. but, um, okay. uh, you know, at least over half. And then we have a lot of uh, valleys and meadows as well. Oh, how beautiful. Now, what about snow? Do you get a lot of snow in the winter? Oh, sure. Yep, uh-huh. definitely. <laughs> yeah. but, but most of the roads in the park will close in the wintertime, and, uh-huh. and uh, they're open up for over snow vehicles and, uh, and mm-hmm. like, snowmobile tours and snow mm-hmm. coaches and, and uh, to access some of the points in the park as well down to Old Glaciers. Old you obviously have glacier parts of the park. Now, are there glaciers that are year-round? Um, we, we definitely have uh, some snow fields that, depending on what the summers are like, last uh, from year to year, um, but, but not too much in terms of way of, of glaciers and Yellowstone. So. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and your Yellowstone River, its influence, uh, is it doing well? Is it, health, is it a healthy river? Yeah, I think so. Yellowstone River is a neat one just because it is uh, the longest uh, undammed river in the lower 48 states. Mm-hmm. So it's about mm-hmm. 640 miles long and, mm-hmm. and uh, ends up hooking up with the Missouri River up in just outside of northeast Montana. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's doing very well and lots of different fish species and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's great. Now, do you have lodges that people can come to? Uh, places to stay, hotels and things, is that what you see? Mm-hmm. Yep, we sure do. There's places to stay throughout Yellowstone, uh, the Old Faithful Inn, the uh, Lake Yellowstone Hotel right on Yellowstone Lake, and mm-hmm. cabins as well, and, mm-hmm. and plenty of plenty of campgrounds, too. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, the campgrounds are full, full uh, facilities. Uh, they've got everything they need at the campground. Exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. So and, and then there's places to eat as well, restaurants throughout the park and dining rooms and fast okay. food places. <laughs> All right. And then um, I know we're going to talk more about uh, the park, but what website would they go to to find out more about the park for accommodations? Sure. Uh, like a website? Uh-huh. Right. So the website to go to to find out about the park in general and then links off of there for the lodging would be www.nps for National Park Service. N like in Nancy, Correct. P like in Peter, and S like in uh, Sally. Right, yep. Okay. okay. <laughs> dot, dot gov. Dot gov. Slash Y-E-L-L. Y-E-L-L. Yep, for okay. Yell, Yellowstone. Okay. Now, um, in the Yellowstone National Park facility, what are some of the features that you really get excited about telling people about that are very unusual uh, for education today? Sure. Uh, I, you know, definitely there's no place else on the planet that has such a co- high concentration of geysers. Okay. Um, just just near Old Faithful Geyser itself is is the highest concentration of geysers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's spectacular just to be able to see that in itself and be able to walk around and and uh, hear hear that bubbling you know sound coming from below the earth and and mm-hmm. and having it shoot up you know over 100 feet in the air if not taller. Now how often do they shoot up? Um, it varies from one geyser to the next. Uh, Old Faithful goes off about every 90 minutes, plus or minus 10 minutes. Uh, it all depends on the, the last eruption and how long, what the duration was of the last mm-hmm. eruption. Um, and so, some can, some are predictable um, to some degree at least, and some are completely random. Now, when you say there are more than one, how many are there? Um, in terms of geysers in the park, there are, um, I'm just, about 300 active geysers. Oh my goodness! Yellowstone. Oh. So. And the temperature of the geysers, is, there a vari- uh, is it warm? Or? Uh, usually it has to be superheated water. Superheated so water to be a geyser. Before, okay. it gets, before it get reaches the surface, it's going to be over boiling temperature. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty warm. Yeah, it is very warm. <laughs> so you want to want to stick your hand in it. <laughs> now, now, is there, because of that influence, under the uh, surface of the earth there, and obviously aquifers, is there places in the park where people go for hot, warm spring uh, pools of water, or is it just the geysers that you're noticing that there's hot water? 
Sure. No, the, the, the hot springs are definitely the hot spring pools are are very hot as well. And okay, um, but most of those are are way too hot to, to be even mm-hmm. able. So to there's no place into. where people go for the uh, to to go in and, and swim in a warmer water. It's just that these geysers are there. Right. Yeah. The, okay. the, the, there's a couple small area, two two small areas in the park that are mostly in a river where hot water is coming into it. Oh, okay. Um, that people are able to swim, but pretty much there's with all the other. what I was after. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. there is that uh, opportunity. Right. Huh. And, and and with with all these different features, the main thing that Yellowstone National Park and the National Park Service tries to do is to preserve these features. Um, and so we've we've definitely noticed that in other places around the world that uh, that have geothermal features, these hot springs and and geysers that. Um, that, that a lot of them have been tapped into, and uh, either for geothermal heat or for you know bathing or whatever else. And those have a lot of them have have gone by the waysides now because they have been tapped into. So mm-hmm. here in Yellowstone, we're trying to preserve it in as in as of natural of a setting so as possible. Okay. Keep it; it's in its originality. You got it. Now, yeah. what is the temperature of your river, or the Yellowstone River? Do you have any idea? Um, it, it fluctuates, you know, at any given time of the year. But it does not get too influenced by any of the thermal features throughout okay. the park. Okay. We do have one. We do have one river called the Firehole River, mm-hmm. and uh, that flows out of the uh, geyser basins that include Old Faithful, okay. the upper, the midway, and the lower geyser basins. And that one does um, get on the warm side, and it can be up into the uh, mid 70s sometimes in a, mm. in a warm summer. So, what's the color of the water when it's like that? Very clear usually, and then sometimes you'll get a lot some algae <laughs> building ah, up as oh, well. Of so. Yeah, because of the heat. Yep, uh, yep. On the air and influences of the air from exactly. the earth itself. Right. Okay. Now, let's hear about the children. What are you doing with children? Sure. We, we have a lot of different children's programs going on. And, and one program that I mentioned earlier, we bring children um, as a class, uh, fourth through eighth graders, into the park for four or five days oh and, uh, during the school year. So we provide a facility for them, and they um, come as a class, and we provide instruction. and. Uh, we uh, work with them in terms of what their needs are as a class, but yeah. typically with a group, we'll, we'll get them to explore the Mammoth Hot Springs and the Norris Geyser Basin and mm-hmm. do temperature testing and compare. Now, do they, do they, uh, they have cabins for this, or do they have to, right. do they stay in tents? Uh, in cabins in a dorm, we have. Well, cabins in a dorm. Yeah. And uh, so then we. So the kids come for about a week at a time, and they it. go through the experience of nature and all the things you do to learn how to. Uh, do you have the bugle call in the morning and at night? <laughs> no, they, they, the teachers usually <laughs> take care of that for us, and they're able okay. to get out there and, and make sure that those students are up and eating breakfast and, and are ready for class by 8. So. Oh, my. And now when they go to class, what are they learning? Uh, we do different activities, as hands-on activities, to um, help them learn more about the ecology of the park, the wildlife, uh-huh. and the plants. Uh, get them to, we'll get out on the trail. Uh, we, we try to spend as little time in the classroom as possible, oh, but yeah. we don't have 24 hours of daylight, so we have to stay inside sometimes. Now, is there a place they can go swimming during the day, too? Nope. Usually no. we're, uh, we're on a trail, and okay. uh, so it's it's really educational. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was just thinking about my own camp. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to go to camp. Uh, Bob, <laughs> you won't believe this, <laughs> with great. a trunk. And I, yep. my father and my brother would help me carry the trunk to my cabin. And inside the trunk, I had my pocket knife, my baseball, my football. There you go, exactly. <laughs> and, and Bob, my bobby pins to pin my hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I get everybody singing. I had this thing about at camp. Uh, we go. did mess hall, we sang. If we <laughs> hiked, we sang. That's great. But uh, what an experience for children. That is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, now, where do they go for that? Uh, what was the website to do get involved with the children? 
Um, you could also go to the, the, the main Yellowstone website, and okay. then there's a link there for, um, for teachers or for kids, uh-huh. and they can click on that to learn more about the programs that we offer here. Okay. One, one program that people can take advantage of, um, wherever they are, as long as they have Internet access, is uh, called Windows into Wonderland, ah. and it's a series of, of electronic field trips that oh, they can my. take advantage of, and there's lesson plans, too, there for teachers to use with their students in the class, oh. and there's, we have 17 different e-trips on there. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on various topics in Yellowstone, from bears and wolves to fire and the, the hot springs and uh, geology. And how to smell the fragrance of your your that's offering you. That's right, exactly. We don't yeah. quite have that in there yet in terms of pushing the button to say, okay, here's your aroma of, of sulfur. But <laughs> no, no, no. There's a there's a, an aroma of earth nature that is offered. You're giving them a chance to breathe it. That's right. And that's I call right. that earth secret. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> and you sound like you have a big secret because you love the kids. So you're that's enjoying right, it. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a, and you bring them in from Chicago, too? Um, you know, most of our groups are from Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho, but we do okay. have groups coming in from, from New York as well. So Good. Uh, from a, to bring those kids in. Let them smell the fragrance of the world, of the forest. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. And I hear this is just the first part of, there's a second part coming on uh, the Yellowstone National Park, so I'm right. looking forward to the hearing more. Good. I look forward to talking to you again. And thank you for being with us today, and you have a nice day. All right. You too. Tell everyone I said hello. Okay, I will. From Oregon. I'm, com- I'm from Oregon. All right, excellent. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, what a day. It's another day. It's special. It's your day, and it's you. You are special. And, uh, and don't let anybody, don't let anybody think, talk you out of that fact. You are special. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every special moment, and Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye because you're making a footprint. Have a nice day and thank you for listening. Talking World Talk Radio.